Do you find me undesirable? Oh, no, Mrs. Robinson. I think I think you're the most attractive of all my parents' friends. I mean that. I find you desirable, but I... For God's sake, can you imagine my parents? Can you imagine what they would say if they just saw us here in this room right now? What would they say? I have no idea, Mrs. Robinson, but for God's sake, they brought me up. They made a good life for me, and I think they deserve better than this. I think they deserve a little better than jumping into bed with the partner's wife. Are you afraid of me? Oh, no, you're missing the point. Look, maybe we could do something else together. Mrs. Robinson, would you like to go to a movie? there and welcome to out of theaters the podcast that reviews the movies of yesteryear this year my name is billy culpa and i'm here with my good friend will piper will hello there billy again it's good to be back yeah it's great to be back have you seen any good movies lately i've seen a few you know now that it's spooky october (laughs) i've been watching some horror movies and uh it's nice that Allie is now my daughter. Is uh, She's 14, so I feel I can show her some actual R-rated horror movies because she has said to us she wants to be challenged by some scary stuff. So wow. I'm like, all right, bring it on. Now, I haven't like pulled, say, Texas Chainsaw off the shelf yet, but uh, we have been showing her some stuff that's fairly scary. Um, my three-year-old says the same thing. There you go. Well, let's show Texas Chainsaw. That'll <laughs> quiet him down. Oh, man. <laughs> but uh, we did watch Halloween a couple nights ago. Uh, John Carpenter's 1979, I, I couldn't tell yeah. you. But a classic <laughs> uh, scary movie about uh, Michael Myers coming back and terrorizing babysitters. And it's, uh, I am, I don't think I'm as huge a fan of this as some people are. I mean, some of the people think this is the all-time great horror movie and they think it's John Carpenter's best movie. I actually prefer The Thing. Uh, sure, you mentioned that last week, which we've yeah. talked about. But this one, it is good because you know it led to nine million Halloween sequels and remakes and reboots and everything. Is this this is pre Friday the Thirteenth, pre Nightmare on Elm Street? Yeah, this is the one that inspired sort of those. Sure. This started the whole eighties, even though it was from seventies, eighties slasher trend. Yeah, you know, you get a bunch of teens, you have a mass killer, and he slaughters them over yeah. the course. And then eventually, he takes New York. That's right. Well, Jason took Manhattan. Yes, did, he did. Did Freddy not eventually take oh, Manhattan? Freddy, but this is Michael. There's Michael. There's Freddy. There's Jason. So, I know. I understand that. But did Michael Myers eventually take Manhattan? I don't believe I assume he did. they no. all eventually. He was end always up. in Haddonfield, Illinois. Oh, sure. The thing. So I've never seen Halloween. I. It's I, good. I mean, it's definitely worth watching. And the thing is, it's so. What struck me about it is, it's so sort of lean and streamlined. It's very simple. You know, it's there's not that many characters. It's a very streamlined story. But it's good. It's it's beautifully shot. It's genuinely suspenseful. It's not, you know, if you go in expecting the kind of blood we talked about last week with, you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood or The Revenant or any of those movies, it is, there are kills, but it is not a bloody kind of sure, movie. Sure, sure. There's, there's something to be said about that. When you see the opening credits and there's like five actors in the whole movie. Most of the time, those movies are good. I mean, yeah, unless they're they, student films, but... Right, but I mean, yeah, because it's it's a tight... You know, and this was a movie that... It was just a simple little quick horror movie that started this giant trend that, can you know, it continues 40 years later. But um, it's uh, it's good. It's it's creepy, and it's got a nice ending. And Jamie Lee Curtis, you know, she became the Scream Queen. She's the daughter of Janet Lee, who was in Psycho. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, whole thing there. I, and, it's uh, so... I, I know this, like, disheartens you, right? But... 
all of my introductions to any of these super famous people are not where they were supposed well, to be. Well, that's how it happened. You can't pick how you meet people. Jamie Lee Curtis to me is True Lies. She just is. Well, like, yeah. I think I mean, of her as It was like, a huge movie. I, I was 94. I was 11 or 12 yeah. or whatever. It was just like, you it know. It was a huge movie. I mean, yeah, I, so I can appreciate I, I that. I, it's weird that Jamie Lee Curtis is this. Like, this, this is her roots. This, like, this movie, is, I believe, at the beginning, it says, introducing Jamie Lee Curtis. Yeah, and it's, nope, never seen it. Don't know anything about it. Yeah, I mean, it's good. So we showed her that, um, and I thought it held up well. Another John Carpenter movie we watched is Christine, a Stephen King movie about yeah, the car. The, the, I think that really holds up well, I've too. I've seen, I, I remember seeing, all right, so tell me, if the, I haven't seen that movie in forever, but mm-hmm. I think I caught it, like, in the background, like, my mom and stepdad or whatever were watching it in the 80s, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. 90s, whenever it was, but 80s, yeah. is there a scene where the car is wrecked and it unwraps yes. itself with like, there's like screeching and all the yeah, crunch it of like metal. Yeah, it reinflates all the dents. and it all... I had nightmares about that scene for years. It is. And that scene is all, that's all pre-CGI. I mean, they did it with bladders and inflate it and on the reverse. I'm surprised they didn't just, I was going to say, why didn't they just, you know, show the damage in reverse, you know? Well, you because you have to make the damage somehow. You know, if you, yeah, if yeah, you so... dent a car with a hammer... Yeah. Oh, yeah. you'd have to see it. You'd I have see. to see yeah, the yeah, 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 fair enough. And it, I'm still not sure how they did some of that. Yeah. But it's good. And I mean, it's that's another movie. It's it's a. That's I've read another the book. movie. That's true. No, it's another movie <laughs> like Halloween that is very lean. Because I've read the book, a Stephen King book, which I really like. But it's an epic. This one, it's just real simple. Nerd gets a car. Bullies wreck the car. Car gets revenge, and then you know it goes to hell. But Chris- oh man, it's like uh. Oh my God! It's, it's like that fantastic Charlie Sheen movie from the eighties. Oh, the Wraith. The Wraith. The Wraith. <laughs> yes, it's exactly like the Wraith. Dude, I watched the Wraith. We've m- talked about the Wraith on this podcast. <laughs> I know we have like a hundred times. I've I seen know that we movie. have. That movie is bullies. Bullies kill the kid. The kid comes back as like a ghost and gets like a a cool new car, and then he kills the bullies one by one. This one is classic nerd. Nerd gets his revenge through oh, a man. car. And there are, there are scenes in this movie. There's a scene where Christine, like, the car goes out and it's killing these people and it wrecks a gas station. The gas station blows up and Christine is driving down the road on fire. Oh, and yeah. It is an, it's a great visual. It's a big, shiny red, like, 57. It's a 58 Plymouth Fury, I okay. want to say, but because they talk about it in the movie. But yeah. it, it's a good movie. Let me ask you something before we get to this week's movie, um, which we haven't even introduced yet. Haven't yet. I mean, they'll see it. The thing is, it's in the You title. know what it is. Before. It's episode one, The Graduate. Yeah. It's in there. It's so, The Graduate. Yeah. Spoilers. <laughs> uh, so your daughter is old enough to be exposed to stuff, but young enough to be damaged still? Well, how, like- how do you deal with violence? What's the level of violence? What's the level of nudity and sex and drugs and all that? Like, you where, know, where I you honestly think it's... You know, that's a good question because... Halloween was less violent than I remembered. Christine was kind of less violent. We're, I mean, I'm almost more concerned. Nudity isn't a big deal. That I mean, as long as it's not tons. But, like, there's a little nudity in Halloween. It's like, whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's more like the uh, sort of sexual dialogue and mature themes in that. I okay. mean, sometimes, you know, and it's... I remember, this isn't the same thing, but we were watching Beetlejuice a few years ago. And not that there's any nudity or sexual dialogue or anything in that. No, but Beetlejuice is kind of a pervert, right? Well, a little, but that's, and you have to be a certain age to pick up on some of that stuff. So it's like, if you're young enough to miss it, that's fine. If you're old enough to deal with it, that's fine. It's that kind of middle range you kind of have to worry about. But I remember watching that movie and we're like, da-da-da, Beetlejuice, everyone loves it, and Allie's watching. And there's one part, and it's the only part in the whole movie where Michael Keaton goes, hey, nice 
fucking model. And Amy and I both look at Whoops. each other like, I completely forgot that was in here. And Allie's like, oh. Let me tell you two related stories. So what's the movie with Brooke Shields on an island with endless, her brother. That would be endless love. It's not her brother. Though. I thought. I mean, I thought it was like their they siblings. They were raised together. No, they're not. Because oh, okay. I could, well, right. Uh, I remember. Uh, it, be, being no, it's a, not endless love. It's Blue Lagoon. I'm sorry. Blue, Blue Lagoon. Lagoon. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember being a kid. I'm talking like four, five. I, I have a distinct memory of being with my aunt at a house in Winnebago, Illinois, mm-hmm. and the movie's on, and like my aunt's stepdaughter, Melissa, whatever, is like we're watching it, and it's just killing time some weekend when she's watching me you know and it starts to have nudity in that movie mm-hmm. and the 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 sister the babysitter essentially kind of goes to my aunt and says hey there's nudity here should i turn this off and she's like yeah he's gonna see nudity who okay, i don't care whatever and i don't remember the nudity i remember the moment i remember the conversation yeah you know? and it almost makes you think like oh is this something i'm not supposed to be seeing or da-da-da. right yeah it just stuck with me i haven't seen that movie since then i yeah. don't i just know i know about the legacy there was another one like flowers in the attic yeah and you know amy always talks about that movie and the book like that was the kind of book your mom might be reading and you'd read it because there's dirty parts like gone girl i guess it's like well you know it's like the gone girl was like a supermarket tabloid thing that yeah yeah mom's read that became a movie yeah okay we watched that that same weekend okay I saw Meanwhile, that on my anniversary weekend, by the way. That's a great movie for couples on an anniversary. Gone Girl? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. the bleakest portrait of marriage <laughs> you're ever going to see. I can't. You know what? That movie's so well done. I've asked my wife to watch it with me a couple times, and she's like stalled. Oh, she may get ideas. But then in the time where she's like, well, listen, I got to take a shower first, or I got to blah, blah, blah. But whatever she's going to do, I've like changed my mind. I've been like, you know what? Yeah. <laughs> Never mind. My wife's name is Amy. <laughs> she's amazing Amy. <laughs> so contrasting Blue Lagoon... There's a very terrible, just god awful movie that's great called Hard Ticket to Something. Hard, Hard t- Ticket to Hawaii. Andy Sedaris. We used to call that movie the Snake Movie because it's like they're in the movie. I can remember the plot. I remember. I don't remember the nudity at all. People love that movie, by the way. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen it since I was seven. It has a real cult following. But it's like a real little kid because my mom didn't give a shit, right? Yeah. So she's just like, yeah, whatever. So we used to put on the Snake Movie on Beta, uh-huh. and it would just be like. Like hot blondes and buff dudes with like too much shit in their hair, yeah. with like grenade launchers, yeah, yeah, and yeah. snakes, and what just more do like you need? it was amazing. Of course, and, and I remember a moment being like older, like 11, 12, where it was like I want to watch the snake movie, and somebody was like, no, and they were like, no, sorry. I was like, don't you understand? I've seen this movie fifty uh-huh. times. <laughs> like somebody was like, you're of age now to where you know what's going on. Exactly. Over. Done. This is going way back to long before you were born, but I was in sixth grade. Steve Martin was huge for the first time. He did these comedy albums. Okay. And like we heard a lot about him. Like these albums are so hilarious and this and that. He was like selling out stadiums doing comedy. This is before like his movie career or anything. Sure. And we our sick we had a sixth grade teacher and she was kind of one of those young hip teachers you know she was this is probably her first teaching gig so she was like kind of cool and sure. you know we're in sixth grade you're getting older yeah yeah and you're we're like twelve years old yeah we're like can you bring in that Steve Martin album we want to hear it yeah and she, so she said did it? well no she's like you know if you guys were younger and didn't understand any of it I'd bring it in if you were older and you understood all of it I'd bring it in. But right now, you're only going to understand part of it. I can't bring in it. <laughs> <laughs> can't, can't get fired, kids. Can't Sorry. Get fired. No, and I mean, really, you couldn't anyway. But yeah, that's, anyway, that's funny. Oh, do you want to let's transition to this week's movie then? Okay, let's do it. Uh, 
I feel like all of the segues have been super rough because we're out of practice. So, yeah, you know, hey, listen, I know you're you're picking up on that audience. Just back off, okay? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't want Ease any tweets. Up. Again, how much are you paying for this? Right. You know what you're paying for it? The three minutes it's going to take you to leave a five-star review and say, I love Billy and Will sucks on iTunes. Do right. that. Hey, if you give us a five-star review, you can say whatever you want about me. <laughs> this week's movie, directed by Mike Nichols, it's The Graduate. Oh, my God. Hi. Oh, no, Mrs. Robinson. Oh, no. What's wrong? Mrs. Robinson, you didn't... I mean, you didn't expect... What? I mean, you didn't really think I'd do something like that. Like what? What do you think? (laughs) Well, I don't know. For God's sake, Mrs. Robinson. (laughs) Here we are. You got me into your house. You give me a drink. You put on music. Now you start opening up your personal life to me and tell me your husband won't be home for hours. So? Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. (laughs) Tell us about The Graduate, The Graduate, released in 1967. Uh, It is the story of Benjamin Braddock, a recent college graduate who comes back home to his California home, and he's very sort of disillusioned. He's, uh, you know, kind of at sea. He's not sure what to do. Um, His, you know, his parents are rich, and he has to kind of deal with all the rich friends and the pressure of, hey, what are you going to do? You're going to get a job. You're going to do this and that. And he uh, meets one of his parents' rich friends, Mrs. Robinson, she, as the famous line says, tries to seduce him, and spoiler alert, she succeeds. And then their relationship, you know, complicates his life. Then he starts a relationship with her daughter, and it all sort of builds to a head. So let me stop you there. What do you think of this movie? I um I've seen this movie several times, but I hadn't seen it in several years. I rewatched it on the beautiful new Criterion Blu-ray. Um, I like this movie a lot. It's it's dated. But I'm the kind of person, I don't think dated is a criticism. I think it's very much of its time. So it's sure. fascinating for that reason. Um, it's fascinating to see Hoffman, who's, you know, one of the, I mean, he's one of the great modern movie stars, to see him at such an early role. Anne Bancroft is great. There's some supporting characters. I mean, I do think it's self-indulgent in parts, but I almost think it had to be, you know, they they were trying something different. And there's a great book about the 1967 Oscars and the movies that were nominated called um oh revolution oh crap it's by mark harris the point is this movie was so different from the other movies being released except maybe bonnie and clyde this was a youth movie this is one of the first movies i read that this was the the first movie targeted at boomers well maybe that's the case but it was also um one of the first movies to sort of show the the generation gap and to side with the kids right it wasn't like a movie by adults saying, look how goofy these kids are. It was a movie aimed at young people saying, look how shallow your parents are. The book, by the way, is Pictures at a Revolution by Mark Harris. It's a great book about movies. I highly recommend it. Do you like it better than the movie? The book about yeah. the movie? Yeah. I don't know. I really like this book. <laughs> That's why I, th- I thought maybe. <laughs> I did, well, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, it's a great movie. It's, you know, if the movie didn't exist, the book wouldn't exist. So let me tell you a minute about my process. Um, I... I don't. I, I come into this podcast scared to death that I'm going to sound like an idiot. I don't mind sounding like an idiot. I don't worry about that, Billy. No, right, right. I don't mind sounding like an idiot, but I want to at least have done a little bit of homework. I want to. I don't want to be the guy who woke up off my couch and was like, "All right, let's record." And I got you know, put the time in, try, right, try, right, right. always sure, try. Of course. Uh, so about half my notes and things that I'm going to talk about during this movie and other movies are things that I researched and read, and 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 Colin Whitchurch friend of the show, not just read the Wikipedia, but I usually try to read like Ebert's review or who, you know, I try to like 
I don't know, engross myself in the I movie. I think you bit. would really like this book, by the way, because it, I believe it you. talks about the making of the movie, the making of all the other movies, and sort of the social context. It's And it's very entertaining. I it's sort of framed around the idea of who's going to win the Oscar. Yeah, who? these are the five movies that competed. Why were these movies made? Do that every Why year. That win? book should be annual. I agree. Okay. I agree. So, uh, about half my notes I, I researched, about half I observed. And one thing I wanted to point out that I observed that I thought was fascinating, none of the adults get names. Yeah. Every one of the adults. Except for these, Mrs. Robinson. No. Oh, you mean first names? They're all oh, Mr. Robinson, Ms. Robinson, every damn one of those people. I was sitting there going, like, what's because I think Anne Bancroft Bancroft? Bancroft. She's the she is the star of this she's movie. She's great. She is fantastic. She's beautiful and like her voice is deeper than mine. Like she's like, yeah. like she's got this husky voice and she's just man, I love her. I'm in love with Anne Bancroft. And you feel for her character. I think totally. like I, she's like I mean, on the one hand, she is kind of like a a predator. She's messed in up. Some ways. Yeah, there's there's a lot of like every and, when you go online and you read all the research, or whatever. She's everybody wearing leopard print. Everybody points out she's a lioness. Yeah, she's hunting. She's a cougar. She, yeah, before right. cougar. But but I mean, but also you feel for her because you can see maybe she was like Benjamin once, and she is just now trapped in this shallow world, and she's she's looking for a way out, or she's just looking for something. The only criticism I would give of her is that we're all damaged. She turns her damage into a weapon, and I don't like that. Well, but. Not not just not just with Bank not just with I'm sorry with Benjamin but with her daughter right but she, I mean I think that's realistic she's not it a is realistic character. it's just it's just yeah. miserable she, and she's not a likable character I yeah. agree but her acting is great her great. her delivery is like every time she says anything this this movie is labeled comedy and I was like kind of disputing that but now it's that a I, dark comedy but yeah. it's pretty funny and it's mostly it is. there are there are laugh out loud moments in this movie he's when, slapstick and she is just deadpan when she and the scene I always think of and this is a clip you always see is. He's trying to be smooth. He's not. And he, she takes, she's like basically not even paying attention. She takes a puff of a cigarette. He leans in for a kiss and she just has a look on her face she's holding and he pulls back and then. No, she kisses. They have a kiss. It's like their first kiss and it goes for, it's weird and kind of awkward. And then with like, when he pulls away, she turns her head and just lets She's exhales. Yeah, yeah. She's been holding that smoke in it's the whole great. time. I t- totally agree with that. And by the way, she died in 2005. Right. And she was the, she was the Miss, Mrs. Mel Brooks. And uh, apparently Dustin Hoffman, who had, who had been like on an off Broadway play. I don't mean to, this is your role. I just, no, I happen it's to read. It's, it's you see, you see the information man. over, and over and over yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, Dustin Hoffman was in some off-Broadway role at the time. Um, he had not hit. He was nothing. Oh no! This is this is the movie that made him a star. And he played like a transvestite office worker or something. Yeah, whatever. I, I, I mean, a trans was a different thing back then. Right? Obviously. No, he, he dressed up in women's clothing. Whatever. Uh, but he he was seen by all these like mainstream Hollywood guys, and they were like, "That guy's got something." Yeah. They don't know what to do with him yet, so he got cast in the producers. Oh, in the Gene Wilder role. He was the, like, the Nazi writer. Oh, no, he was, yeah, he was, I know who he I is. haven't seen the producers, yeah. so, but he apparently... Which is interesting, because in the movie, it's a much older character. Well, he cast. accepted that role, and it was all good to go, and then he got the lead in The Graduate. And apparently, the, this was really controversial, um, him getting the... Yeah, well, you know who they wanted was right. Robert Redford. Well, it's, no, all right, I don't, I, again, I don't mean they to, They did like, want Robert Redford. Don't say no, because they did. Nichols didn't. Well, but but that producers wanted. They didn't yeah, want to everybody want everybody except Nichols. So the the this is I'm repeating. If you've heard a podcast on the Graduate, you've heard this everywhere else. But I think it is interesting. Apparently, in the book, this movie's based on a book. The lead guy. It's it's the whole thing is like tall, blonde, yeah, physically very fit, waspy. California, white Anglo-Saxon, yeah, waspy, yeah, just not Jewish, not Jewish, and. Uh, they cast in this movie, they cast everybody just like the book except the lead guy. Right. 
And the reason why is he said, because apparently uh, Mike Nichols, the director, and Robert Redford were like buddies, like real good friends. Yeah, they had worked in the theater, I think. And Redford was pissed. He's like, why aren't you putting me in this movie? And he's like, I just don't think you can play a loser. I I, I only know this stuff. Because Robert Redford, it is hard to picture him. Yeah, apparently he wasn't like a superstar yet. But he was still Robert Redford. I mean, you can picture him, yeah. But I watched the director's commentary with Nichols, and and, uh, Soderbergh is the like host. It's pretty cool like to hear Steven Soderbergh like interviewing Nichols. Uh, but Nichols said he took him to a bar one night and was like, listen, I, I'm not going to cast you. And Redford was like, well, kind of pissy about it. Why not? And he's like, I don't believe you could be a loser. And Redford's like, I'm an actor. I can be a loser. <laughs> and Nichols says to him, have you ever struck out with a girl mm-hmm. like ever? And Redford said nothing. Yeah. He, <laughs> he went, you know what? You're not in this movie. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I was reading somewhere. That Mike Nichols was like, he. I think after the movie came out or when he was making it, he was even kind of wondering, like, is this going to work? Why did I cast Hoffman this and that? Like, not so much why did I cast the guy who was a loser, but why did I cast the guy? I mean, is it, you know, Hoffman, it's a risk. So obviously a Jewish guy. I think, dude, I think it's a lot like Willis in Die Hard. It's like normal guy taking the role of somebody who should have been a six yeah. foot four. Well, but even, even every other, you know, his parents are not like, you know, they're all wasps and everything. And Nichols said he didn't, Realized he was reflecting himself, sort of, because he has Jewish roots, European Jewish roots. Sure. Until he read the spoof of The Graduate in Mad Magazine, where Dustin Hoffman's character says, how come I'm Jewish when my parents aren't? Yeah. And he's like, it all clicked why oh. he did that. Yeah. <laughs> I, like I mean, Ho- Hoffman, yeah, Hoffman. They're all they're all pretty blonde people, and then you, you put the dark-haired, shorter... Schlub. Like, yeah, schmuck. just like uh, the word I, heard, I kept reading online was nebbish. Which yeah, yeah. I, I'm afraid to say that word because I'm like, you don't understand how sheltered I am. It's just I, a Yiddish word meaning, you know, like a meek, guy oh it's so it's not a yiddish word meaning you're saying something racist right now no okay that's good it's just yiddish yeah it's, i don't i'm very ignorant yeah. I, I tell people all the time the stuff i know i really know i know a lot about the things i know but the things i don't know i'm you know no, right? i don't know you're dangerous <laughs> yeah <laughs> um anyway uh uh we we're talking about bancroft i i think she is perfectly cast and it's it's i think it works because she's she's like the straight man to um, Hoffman. Dustin Hoffman's like goofy slapstick yeah. sort of like there's a moment where um, right after she tries to seduce him for the first time where the husband comes home. Yeah. Who so played like, by, I don't know, Murray Hamilton, who is the Marin Jaws. Oh, he's I've, the one I've who never doesn't seen, want to close the beaches. I've never seen Jaws. Oh my God. Yeah, we should do it for the podcast. We I should. Uh, apparently though, like there's, or not apparently there's, there's that scene where he comes downstairs and he's sitting down. That's a tense scene, by the it's way. It's really tense. And, and um, Murray, Murray Hamilton. Murray Mr. Hamilton Robinson is telling Mr. Robinson is telling him like you need to you need to get laid this summer, son. You go have some fun, boy. Yeah, you know. He's like, ah, go get him. And boy. then and then Mrs. Robinson comes down the stairs like like in a very like it's intimidating. I don't yeah. know. Every time she comes down, well, the screen, way the like, house is lit and everything, yeah. it's very much. And Hoffman is so nervous. So he stands up and like takes a step, and she's like, sit down. And he like does a lap and then sits right back down in like this one fluid motion. And it's, it's just perfect. Cause he's, he's slapstick. There's a part where he's like trying there in the hotel room, I think. And he just reaches out and grabs your breast. <laughs> and it's the least seductive move ever. He but, just like clamps on and she just kind of looks at him like it's her, but she ignores it. Yeah. She, Cause she's, she's undoing her dress yeah. or whatever she's doing. And I love that after that moment when like there was no sparks at all, he like kind of walked over the window and was like, this is a bad idea. We shouldn't do this. But then the movie Bill, it's not like, you know, it gets a lot darker where they, she becomes obsessed with him and, and he wants out. And it's, there's that great montage where they're like, their relationship is going up and down. Oh and, yeah. And they have yeah, that yeah. discussion. And apparently according to that, 
uh, Pictures of Revolution, that scene was insane to film. Like they were both just like they had all these takes and it was so emotional and they were just like driving each other crazy and Nichols was just browbeating them both and everything and very Fincher like just yelling at him. Yeah, I don't I I don't think there were a million takes, but it was like a really hard scene to do. So uh, I have two points on that. Uh, one, God damn, there are a lot of montages in this movie and it's, it's pretty, I think it's actually ridiculous. You said of its time, but I think it's, it's almost, let me, let me back up. Um, I love, like I adore the first half of this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the it, premise is great. The setup is great. It's really interesting the way they shot things. Like even, even the, the opening, um, what do you call that? Like, it's like an escalator, but it's on, it's flat. It's a moving sidewalk. Like a move, whatever they, yeah, the airport, the airport thing. When it's the opening scene is him returning to LA and he's, yeah. and I've heard a lot of people are like, the idea is like, he is just another piece of luggage. He's an accessory in his parents' life and everybody's life, you know, blah, blah, blah. Poor me. I got an Alfa Romeo for my, yeah, I know. Poor <laughs> him. But, uh, I do, I, it's, it's interesting and it's unique and there's a perspective when it puts you in the, you know who this character is right away. You don't yeah. have to like explain this that, is Benjamin Braddock. And that, da, da, that, da, 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 da. After the airport, there's that party scene where like, it's a close up. They used like a the real tight shot and, yeah. and it's just on him the whole time. Yeah. And it's very stressful. Oh yeah. In a way that I was like, this is, I, I sat here going like, this is one of my favorite movies. Like, this is awesome. Well, was, that's, that's when the classic line, when he's like, I just got one word to say to you, Benjamin, one word. <laughs> Plastic. Plastic. He's right. By the way, that guy, <laughs> Ben is not wrong. <laughs> uh, but that's a cla- I mean, that's like a classic line. Mr. McGuire. Come with me for a minute. I want to talk to you. I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, sir. You. Plastics. Exactly. How do you mean? There's a great future in plastics. Think about it. It gets, and I, we're going to talk about this movie a lot. We have we have another, I'm sure we'll be talking about this for another five hours, right? But I, I love everything up until the moment where he goes, he decides I want to go on a second date with Elaine. Is that the daughter? Elaine, yeah, it's the daughter. And the movie just is bad after that. I think it's flat out bad. I don't think it's bad. The ending is interesting. The, that they left the camera on them and like let them have that awkward like. Well, that's great. It's great because it's like not the hey, we're off on exciting life. It's like what do we do now? I, I think I read that that was like not that wasn't no. Really they the just plan. held it. They just held it and it yeah. just kind of worked out. And they went oh, and the actors like just kept going, going like what do we do? And, uh, when I was in college at Kent State, there was always a rumor, and I don't. I've heard this more than one time when I was in college. I'd never be able to track it down. Is somehow that bus ended up as one of the Kent State campus buses? Oh. I have no that's idea if it's true, yeah, that's, we used yeah. to hear that all the time. Yeah, this the, the bus from the graduate is one of the buses. Was that like 1953? This would have been in the mid-80s, so <laughs> okay. it would have been less than 20 <laughs> years after that. Uh, but I would argue, like, for so so maybe a couple, I, I have my notes here, but a, a couple quick points. Um, it is. It seems like there's, like, filmmaking desperation happening. They. It's very clear there were not enough songs recorded for this movie. Well, they... But but they wanted that effect. I no. mean, you better you better like Simon and Garfunkel if you go see this movie. I agree. Uh, so I I, I I apparently like that the Mrs. Robinson song was like stolen during post production. Well, it was originally gonna be Mrs. Roosevelt. Yeah, and and, and he yeah. was like, "You owe me more songs." And apparently, Simon was like had a couple other things going, but like basically was like, "I don't know what to write." Yeah, and they played that and what Sound of Silence and a and couple the others. goddamn Have You Been to Scarborough Fair? I have yeah. never, I'm never, have ever, 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 ever going to this stupid fair. fair. They play that song seven or eight times, Will. All right, that thanks. That's great singing, Will. 
they they play that song. They start it over. I mean, like six times, it's seven very, times. Yeah. And it's I the whole time I was watching, I was like, they got nothing. But this was revolutionary. I mean, this was intentional. This was revolutionary at the time, you know, because this was aimed at young people. And as much as we've all grown up with Simon and Garfunkel, yeah, like but it was parents' the time. music. I, I but it was that. like this is like you know, it didn't have a traditional movie score like with an orchestra they didn't bring in somebody and say score our movie you know so there's there's uh the, the what's the opening song um is it uh it's not mrs robinson it's, no, um, it's um i just sound, sound of silence, silence. Yeah. sound of silence and then there's nothing forever and then there's the cool the very very good montage the relationship that's happening is that the one where it's like there's that great shot when he's in the pool and he goes up and, and then, then he's he goes on and now he's in the that's hotel that's an amazing shot all, all of that stuff but it, it yeah. does that a bunch like uh-huh. it's like it's it's almost experimental it is really it's like really interesting yeah. how like he go, he goes from his pool to the hotel back the to back like his house like it's it's really great and i don't remember there is a song playing then yeah, it's, it's not mrs robinson it's not scarborough fair or whatever, yeah, whatever. I remember. But is it "I'm a Rock"? Maybe I don't know. I don't remember. But I watched it like yesterday. Oh God, <laughs> old man. <laughs> but uh, eventually, they get to the date with Elaine, and he shows up for the second date, and Mrs. Robinson is a freak out. Yeah. And then it's like from that point forward, the movie. It, I felt like they were like, we don't know what. Where, where do we go next? And all the decisions, like every decision up until that point, by all of the characters, makes sense. Like Mrs. Robinson's defensive and jealous and doesn't want him to be around the daughter and 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 Ben's insecure and scared and worried about his future and all this stuff makes sense. Eventually, he treats Elaine like crap on a date. Mm-hmm. They get along. They don't have a second date because she finds out it was his her mom right. and she freaks. And then, like the next time we really hear from her talking, he's like, "I'm gonna marry her." I'm like, "You've been on one date." Yeah, well, he's, you know. There's no reason for this. It's, I think, I mean, I see what you're saying, and I, I think you have a point, but I also think at a certain point, it's like sort of all the systems break down. Like he's, you know, it's he's he's like at sea, and he doesn't know what to do. He's yeah. like, well, I'm going to make a desperate romantic gesture, which he does, you know, and he... You know in Goodfellas, when like the back half oh, of the I movie is, is Ray Liotta's like cocaine-fueled like nightmare? It reminded me of that. Yeah, it's like kind the, of, because back... it is, yeah, it's like a, a real structured beginning and then the back half crazy. is just nuts it's yeah. just like this happened and this happened then this is well, at the church banging on the yeah thing. apparently oh, yeah. they had to have him like they couldn't bang on the windows too much they were worried about the church and then he's posing there he was and, just trying to look dramatic and they're like it's a christ figure yeah, and mike like, nichols is like nah dude yeah. nope <laughs> i was afraid but that's a cool scene when everyone yeah. like oh, the angry face is yelling at him and everything and he puts the cross in the, the yeah, door the door to block it they run out but i, I so we're going to talk more, but I want to say maybe my summary of this is like, what a disappointment. This movie to me is a really? huge disappointment. Interesting. Interesting. I thought the first third, first half was just like, it's among the coolest things I've ever seen. It really stuck with me. Like the, 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 the great shot, like it's interesting that the cinematography matched like the anxiety of the character matched the dialogue. It's just, it's perfect. And plus it has that sun bleached California yeah. look. Like everything. it's everything's a little desaturated. Yeah. Everything, yeah. It's very, I mean, the scenes with him in the pool and all that, it's very much, yeah. Yeah, although I, I, I gotta say, like, I, I, I don't, I wrote this down. I said, uh, how does such a neurotic wreck of a man lead the debate team, the track team, and is the editor of the college newspaper? Yeah, he with, was like a stud in college. He's a stud, well, and then he comes home and he's just a trainer. And he was in his element in college, and he gets out in the real world, and... Maybe that's, I mean, maybe, see, but I think maybe that's where you see more of the book's conception of the character, where he is the big man on campus. 
he is like the alpha male. Yeah, and yeah. then he's thrown in this world, and then he's not. And he's, he's moping because he doesn't want to be an object of his parents' materialism. Although, I got to say, his parents kick ass. The, William Daniels, the great William his Daniels. His dad is the, the best guy ever. Like, that guy, that dad is so proud of his son. But I think it, I and I agree, I love William Daniels, but I think part of that is the pressure. If you were like, if your dad's always like, look at my boy Benjamin, and you because yeah. they're kind of doing like, come on, show him your swimsuit. Yeah. That's, and you feel that just kind of tightening in on you. Dad, can we just talk about this for a second? I can't hold him much longer, Ben. You better get out here. I like to discuss this. This boy, I'm sorry, this young man is soon to continue his education as a Frank Halpingham Award Scholar. Uh, but before he does, before he does, you're disappointing them, Ben. You're disappointing them. Dad, can you listen? Let's not give you 10 seconds. This was, again, the late 60s, uh, so yeah. any sort of parental pressure was seen as, like, we have to break free of this. Not uh, like, sweet, I got an Alfa Romeo. His dad gave him a great car. Less of, when his dad comes up to him and is like, yeah, so it's it's been like a month or two. Do you, do you plan on doing anything? Yeah. And Dustin Hoffman's, like, snotty, yeah. like, despair. I would be like, all right, well, then you owe me some rent. Yeah. Like, what, what are you doing? Like, was, that was do the... something. Maybe he needed something of that. Like, I don't know. You man. know, because all the adults are like, well, you know, they're cheering him on. Maybe he needs somebody to kick his ass a little bit. Just a little bit, because what a whiner. And this, these, these, so Hoffman is a boomer, right? I mean, in this oh, movie. Com- well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Oh, definitely. Yeah. So you've told me for like, <laughs> this. I'm sorry to say this out loud, but you've told me for like 20 years now. Well, like, Dustin <laughs> Hoffman is actually earlier than a boomer, but the character of Benjamin is, is a boomer. Is a bo- yeah. Right, right, right. But you've just told me how much the boomers suck. And if this is a representation of the boomers, I, you're completely right. The boomers, they don't, well, they do kind of suck. Trump's a boomer. That's all I got to know. But <laughs> the boomers, the trouble with the boomers is we've had their culture shoved down our throats for an, our entire lives. Right. Plus, they're the only generation, maybe the millennials, that won't admit they suck. Gen X were like, yeah, we suck. Fine. We don't care. <laughs> yeah, that's right. We completely <laughs> that, that was your whole thing. We're the like, worst thing man, ever. Man, whatever. I'm in that weird thing. I, I've heard this description before, and I think it's fair. Um, the new millennials... Are, are weirdos who can't get out of their phone. The old millennials like me, like I used to, we had modems. We didn't have computers. And then one day we did. And we didn't, you didn't just grow up with AOL. Like it popped up when you were 13 or 14. It was like a thing. See, to me, it like, popped up when I was like 25. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And you were already fully formed and it was like a tool. For us, it was, it, it, it was I have one friend. I think I've talked about her before. Her name's Jasmine. I'm still friends with her. I met her on AOL when I was 14. We exchange music. Like, she's out in California. We're buddies. Like, that was a thing that... It wasn't just a tool. It was like actually a way of life for a bit. But I didn't have it for the first, you know, 14 years of my life. Kids today... <laughs> these kids today. These kids today. <laughs> it's like, that's... Their whole life is in their phone. And uh, I don't know how to, what I'm really getting at other than that. I think there's like a, a line somewhere that will eventually get sorted out between, between Gen X and Millennials. Oh, there is. There's and, a long dividing line. Yeah, well, that's me. <laughs> And (laughs) as I'm operating, you should see all the gear on my table right now. (laughs) All the tech. Um, I have a few more questions for you. Ask away, my brother. By the way, this is only two years before Dustin Hoffman starred in Midnight Cowboy, a movie we did in the previous incarnation, where he plays a very different character than Benjamin Braddock. Filled with with montages. Uh Yeah. Filled with music. The same kind of thing. Same kind of, you know, very much of a piece. I liked Midnight Cowboy better than this. Did you? That's the yeah. only X-rated movie to win Best Picture. I ever. know. The, the, the highs of this movie of Graduate are better than the highs of Midnight Cowboy, but Midnight Cowboy is like a... That's a straight a, through. Straight that's interesting. Through. That's interesting. It's, a, it's a deeper, like, it means more to me, too. Like, I mean, not that I would ever, like, just go to New York and hope for the best, <laughs> but, uh, like, the, there's sort of a... I think it's a more serious movie. 
Oh, Will's on his phone during the podcast. No, I was looking something up. <laughs> you have a computer in front of you. I know. <laughs> Does Mrs. Robinson know what she's doing from the absolute minute? The, the, our first shot, let me set you up. The first shot of Mrs. Robinson is um, this like anxiety-induced party where Ben's home from college. And he's being shown off like an object to all of mm-hmm. his, all the parents, and friends. all the parents are like right in his face, and right in his face. Like there's there's like, hey, who gave you that car? And hey, you gonna go get some teeny boppers? And, blah, yeah, and they're just like, and, that, that, and he's that, just that. like, I gotta go. Yeah. And as he walks, well, she's by, the calm. You just get this shot of like super hot Anne Bancroft with her like leg draped over the couch, smoking, just kind of looking like above it all, but right. also kind of she's well aware of what's around her. Oh, I think she's yeah, I think she knew what she was doing immediately after she walks up to Ben's room and she's like, is this the bathroom? She knew what she, yeah, right I mean, away. that is completely, she knew what she was doing. I, and you can see why Ben went for her besides it being Anne Bancroft, but she's the one adult who's not completely in his face and acting like her, all she doesn't care friend. about him at all. No. And you know, that's attractive yeah. in a way. Like that's the one that's not paying a big deal attention to me. So it's like negging. It's, it's a thing. It is like negging. <laughs> so, Were you with that guy that used to give advice? What was his name? The, in the 10 years ago or so, the. Remember that guy oh, I don't know the, that guy. No, but my, my... You know room, who I mean, right? My roommate, Colin, who we love, who has blocked us on Twitter, uh, <laughs> used to have that book in the bathroom, and I was always Dear like... God. That was his toilet reading. <sighs> yeah, yeah, that great. says a lot. Yeah, it, do, it does say a lot. I can't talk anymore about that. I can't wait for that Joker movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when... I, I think she knew, too. I, yeah, I think, she, I think was, so. she was right on it. It's, it is weird that, like, there's that whole party full of, like, really rich happy, well-adjusted people making lots of money. She could have been... Do you think she's having other affairs? I don't, I don't think this was her first affair. I kind of think it was. I don't know. I don't... But I think she's sick of all those people. She is clearly not like those people. What's her people. background? Talk about her a little bit. Who, Anne Bancroft or no, Mrs. No, no, Robinson? Mrs. Robinson. Like, tell her, like, what's her... Because we know she got pregnant early. Yeah. I mean, she's she married into the... You know, she got pregnant. She probably felt like her life was locked in then. She was an art major. Yeah, yeah. So that what that shows is she was once creative and looking at freedom and looking at some kind of maybe bohemian life, not to be part of the life she's in. She gets pregnant. She's then she's kind of locked in. She's clearly younger than the other friends, I think. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's. I think, I think that's right. To. Well, but they they do like age her. They put the, they do. Like, but I think you especially if if she got pregnant young. Because her you, daughter's 19, Yeah, right? so you get the feeling that she... I mean, she, I think she's supposed to be early 40s. Yeah, probably. like she's 40 and everybody else is almost 50. Yeah. I think, okay, So fine. she doesn't feel like she's part of that, plus maybe she resents that lifestyle because she never really planned to be part of that. Do you think her husband's cheating on her? If he is, I think it's just because that's something all the guys did. Yeah, okay. I don't think he's deliberately cheating on her. I think he just sees, oh, I'm a rich white guy in this area and this okay. time. So it's like Don Draper. Yeah. Part of my deal is I bang the secretary. And they have they have separate bedrooms, So mm-hmm. which I don't know what that says. I don't know. It, it seemed... I, I was trying to, like, they, they, they give you all these details. I would kind of pause the movie and try to reflect to be like, what is that? Like, why? You know, like... And see, here's the thing about him cheating on her, I think, is whether he is or not... Mr. Mr. Robinson. Mr. Robinson. But he's the kind of guy that would never think his wife would cheat on him. He would just... She's my wife. She'll be faithful. Because when he finds out... He's legitimately devastated. He's devastated. It's not even like he's yelling and screaming. He's just wrecked. What what is his question for, for Ben? He's like... Is there some personal vendetta? Yeah, against, against me, me or something. Like, See, he makes it about him yeah. too. Yeah. 
Do you have a special grudge against me? Do you feel a particularly strong resentment? No. Is there something I've said that's caused this contempt, or is it just things I stand for that you despise? It was nothing to do with you, sir. Well, Ben, it was quite a bit to do with me. Now, look, please. Ben, I think we're two civilized human beings. Do you think it's necessary to threaten each other? I'm not threatening you. Do you want to unclench your fist, please? Uh, it's an interesting performance. I mean, it, that's in, he becomes a more interesting character, I think, as the movie goes on. Yeah, although it, he becomes a cartoon at the final wedding scene. Yeah, I, mean, I think everyone kind yeah, of... Yeah, like, and, and that, I think, I think you have a point. In that, it's almost like, look at the adults, they're all cartoons, but our heroes... Ben and uh, what's his daughter's name? I can't remember. Um, Elaine. Elaine. Ben and Elaine. They're the real people. The adults are cartoons, but yeah, look, yeah. we're on their side because they're authentic and they're yeah. not jabbering monsters or something. Right. Um, even like Mrs. Robinson, she's in the front row of the wedding and she's so pleased. She's so pleased that her daughter's getting married. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't like it. I mean, maybe that's why I don't like it because I liked her so much. It, it seemed out of character, but she's delighted that her daughter's trapped in the same life she's But about. she's not a nice person. It's she, believable that she would be. I mean, she does all this stuff not caring what the consequences are. You're right. Yeah, all right. Um, let me run through my notes here. Uh, how do you feel about some of the like experimental we we i praised it earlier but there's a couple experimental shots that i don't think work um how do you feel about like the triple head turn followed um, by the like subliminal cuts i mean i it's interesting i mean i think you know i'm sure when it came out people were like oh my god that's amazing now it's kind of like well i've seen that i mean this is going to be more my generation than yours but i mean a lot of things that were done in movies both then and the french new wave and a lot of experimental stuff M- they video people ripped off on MTV. So we grew up watching MTV stuff like that, quick cuts. And so it's like, oh, I've seen that before. Yeah. I mean, it's a little dated, but on the other hand, that's that's what made the movie amazing back then. There's a couple, like, I guess you'd call them like snap zooms or, or at least really zoom outs where like it's on a character and then the camera just really rapidly pulls out that I yeah. thought it just felt. It's fe- I mean, it is a little, it's, it's it's dated and not in a good way, but it's like it was of its time. I think sure. you know it was you know this was a very revolution. The I, other movies because I mentioned that book, but the other movies that came out that year were one was Bonnie and Clyde, which is pretty experimental youth movie. Yeah, look who's guess who's coming to dinner, which was a very standard comedy drama. Even though the theme was a young white woman marrying a young African American man. Dr. Doolittle, which is a very dated sort of musical kind of thing. Sure. In the Heat of the Night, which is a... Again, it's it starred Sidney Poitier, who also starred in Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, but it was a um, it was a pretty standard movie. I mean, yeah. there's some interesting racial stuff, but those movies were made in a very standard way. Yeah. Except for Bonnie and Clyde. The Graduate... Did The Graduate win Best Picture? No, no. Um, or anything? Best uh, Director? No, I... You know, I, I, I thought it was. I thought it was nominated for like writing. It was nominated. Writing and director were the ones. I honestly, I, you know, I should know because I just read that. You book, just told me about how great this book is. <laughs> it is great. I just don't blame the book on me. But um, <laughs> uh, it won. Oh, Nichols did win for best director. Okay. It was nominated for best picture, best actor, best actress, best supporting actress, best writing, and best cinematography. So is, is Elaine the supporting actress? Yeah, all three of the leads got. Eh. Eh. She's okay. She's okay. Catherine Ross. She's no Mrs. Robinson. No, I mean, clearly, Anne Bancroft is the standout in this movie. And Hoffman's... I mean, it wouldn't work as well without playing against Hoffman. I, I'm a, I'm literally just leading you through my notes as I take this movie. So if there's Lead a point away, you want to hit, but um, there's, a, there's a scene at the beginning where... Uh, we talked about it already, where um, they almost get caught by Mr. Robinson. 
And he comes downstairs and he goes, he's got these two ridiculous like tiki jugs. Yeah. And one's bourbon and one's scotch. And they're labeled like bourbon and scotch, like in wood. I was like, they're completely preposterous. Yeah. But he asks him, what do you want? And I think he says he wants scotch the first time. And then later on, it comes up again. Like, I think when he's going to go on the date with Elaine, he's like, is scotch free again? He goes, no, I'm a bourbon man now. And I felt like there was supposed to be like a meaning, like I've, I've hit manhood or, or something. Yeah, I I, okay, I didn't know I if it meant anything. And by the I way, just... I think the reason those jugs were ridiculous looking is because I think they try and make the adults look ridiculous in this Oh, movie. sure, sure. Yeah, with, I mean, again, no first names. Um, I put, everybody's really sweaty in this movie. No, like, in California. a way, you don't really see in movies anymore. <laughs> like, everybody had, like, like water on their upper lip. Like, <laughs> I don't know, maybe it's just because it's in HD now and I notice. Well, that's, you know, that's the thing. If you, you, you know, you mentioned Friends earlier. You watch Friends or some of those movies on HD now. People do not look like they were sure. supposed to look. <laughs> um, I thought Ben kind of looks like a younger, skinnier version of Mr. Robinson. Mr. Robinson's not like the blonde, like, like his. No, maybe. I mean, he definitely looks more like him than he does his own dad. Yeah. I don't think there's anything. It's not sure, supposed to be. Sure. Well, boy, would that throw a twist in the movie? Well, you say, you say like that would throw a twist, but dude, the first time Mrs. Robinson tries to seduce him, it's in her daughter's bedroom. Oh yeah. And the first time it like gets real is he's looking at Elaine's portrait. Yeah. And then she's naked reflected. And I was like, that's oh. a, but that's a great shot. I mean, it's see, a great, it's that's a great when, shot, but there's, a, there's some meaning oh, yeah there, you know oh, yeah. where you're like uh i don't know what the meaning is but i was like i'm uncomfortable yeah <laughs> but that's what i mean a movie like this is think how uncomfortable people were back then there's a movie about a young guy banging his girlfriend's mom that was not a plot in movies in the 60s I, yeah. not movies showing in normal theaters at least um i'm actually almost out here um there's a scene in the taft hotel where mm-hmm. ben is holding the door open and just like dozens of people walk through is that just a gag? Is that I think just it's a just a gag. Because remember the one woman recognizes him when he gave the fake name earlier? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's 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 later. That's yeah, like but a different it, scene. Yeah. Um, I thought the Singleman party was on the nose, but it's still pretty funny. Yeah. Are you with the, the Singleman? Singleman? That's like, a nah. good line. Yeah, I was like, All right, By the way, the, the hotel clerk is Buck Henry, who co-wrote the movie. Oh, yeah, right, right. The, mm-hmm. the Second City guy. And I, that's basically all my notes. I have a lot of notes. Like, I love all the little smirks and, and like... Mrs. Robinson is just great. Like her, her acting is just. She's really good. Like something will be said, and she'll just kind of give a like a little. You, know, you get like the a, feeling she's just smarter than every. I mean, she's really. She plays such really a monstrous character who doesn't care about anyone else. But yeah, know, man, I'd fall for it. I, me too. I couldn't agree more. And not Plus, just because Anne Bancroft is, you know, she's. She, no, I think she's thirty-five she's in the movie. I'm thirty-six. So like, hey, I'm fifty-two. I would be the. Guy to her, she yeah, the been to me. Yeah, you're the second husband. You're the. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> By the way, did you notice um, when Ben is in the rooming house and all the guys are coming at the door? And I think the one who because because like, Elaine screamed and then all the guys come yeah, down. To I like, think the one who says like you're gonna call the cops or something is a uh, young Richard Dreyfus before oh, he sure. became a star. Yeah, I, he only has one line. I think. Um, I feel like I should know Richard Dreyfus is Jaws, Jaws as well. Yeah, well, he's Jaws. Know. He's Close Encounters. He was in a ton of movies. I haven't seen any of that. Don't American Graffiti. About. Nope. These are all movies we should watch. Okay. All good movies. Fine. Sure. He seems like Richard Dreyfus is like, what if what if Gene Hackman wasn't as good? <laughs> like he seems like the same kind of lame. Well, Richard Dreyfus played the Nebbish. I mean, he was that was his character. Oh, okay. Okay. I just thought of him as like Michael Keaton to to uh to the Tom Hanks's. Uh, yeah, you know. he was more because in Jaws, he's the marine biologist who's kind of a nerd. Like all you need to know is there's a scene in Jaws when Quint, who's the big, tough, older sailor. 
Okay. They're on the boat, and he drinks a beer, and then he like crushes it with his fist like an old steel beer can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Richard Dreyfus is drinking a cup of coffee in a, or water in a styrofoam cup, and then he kicks the styrofoam cup and crushes it. <laughs> That's Richard <laughs> yeah, Dreyfus. Good for him. <laughs> That's it. Do you have any more? Do you have any more thoughts that you'd like to run by on this? Any notes that I, I should be aware of? Um, I don't think so. I think we covered pretty well. I believe this is one of my, or I think it was one of my mom's favorite movies. Yeah. By the way. I, Mom I, has good taste in movies. I think I watched it. How, when, when did you come to this movie? When's the first time you saw it? Uh, I was in either high school or college. Okay, so it just came up. Yeah, it was one that I you, I heard about. I mean, like I said, I'd read, you know, I'd start to read these movie books that talk about movie history, and you'd see a movie like this mentioned, and then it was probably in the early 80s when videotape became a thing, and then you could, you know, the thing about videotape is you could watch all these movies that you'd heard about all your life. You didn't have to wait for them to be on TV. You could go rent them. You told me a great story about video. Like you, I, it's about Oz, the show Oz on HBO. Oh, my dad. Uh, like would like tape them for you on he HBO? He did because like, I didn't have HBO. He, I didn't have them. This is the like 90, must have been like maybe 96, 97, whenever Oz was on HBO. And this is pre-Sopranos. Oz was kind of one of the first prestige yeah, yeah, series. Yeah. And it was a brutal series about yeah. prison. But I didn't have HBO and I'd heard about this. And so I asked, my dad had HBO. And um, so he would tape them and he sent me like the whole season on two tapes. <laughs> and I watched them all in one setting. Wow. Which is like being punched repeatedly. <laughs> but it was like I'd get to the end of an episode. You you like broke ground on binge watching. I did. I really did because it was so like I mean Oz was a rough rough show. But yeah. I'd get to the end and be like I got to see what happens next. Yeah yeah. That's and perfect. I, I came stumbling out of my apartment after eight hours of prison brutality. <laughs> just like what you happened? In Netflix. Yeah, it was. It was pre Netflix. Netflix. I think yeah. I saw this in a film. You know, one of my classes and, you know, it was fine. It was just a movie. It, I didn't understand, you know, yeah. I didn't understand the meaning of any of it. It's it's the first time. I don't know. The first time you watch a movie like this, there's a hero and there's villains and you just you want your guy to succeed. And you, it's some mm-hmm. interesting things happen. And you don't really think about I don't I didn't think about the bigger message, the sure. bigger picture here. It's just a story. And, you know, I mean, because we talk a lot about movies that are dated or movies that are of their time and they're kind of I mean, I don't care if a movie's dated because it's always interesting to watch. You know, even if it's it's really dated, it's like, well, that's what they thought back then. But yeah. the thing about it is, is you can't go back and watch this movie in the context it was released because it was probably completely different yeah, impact. Sure. I mean, audiences who saw it the first time, I could see why, I, even though I can't completely connect, I could see why a young man or young woman watching this would be like, I've never seen a movie like this and this is amazing. And it was a, Big hit. It was yeah. a big surprise hit. Memento was done backwards, you know? Yeah. And when I watched that as a 15-year-old or whatever, I was like, damn. Like, I, I recognize that that was neat. Sure. Like, it was a neat, you know, yeah. it's, it's kind of like that. I mean, maybe that's a, a Well, no, it's not. Analogy, you know but, the movie that, um a movie we talked about last time, a movie I never shut up about, a movie that I love. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. No, I do love that movie, but that's not what I'm talking about, is um Fight Club, you know. Oh, yeah. Which is very much a generational movie. I mean, you know... Fight Club is a very, there aren't many, but Fight Club is a very, I think, Gen X movie. And if you doubt it, read what critics like Roger Ebert and Kenneth Turn, all these baby boomer critics who praised The Graduate when it came out, they hated Fight Club. They're like, this is an irresponsible movie. This is this and that. But if you read interviews with Edward Norton or Brad Pitt or Fincher, they more than once say, we kind of saw this movie as our version of The Graduate. Didn't they feel like... Isn't there like shots of Volkswagen Beetles like just everywhere? No, it's Starbucks is everywhere. Well, I know well, they Starbucks. have the scene with the 
the beetle, but it's the new beetle. Right. And they, 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 cause they're going around banging, wrecking cars just to make the alarms go off. Yeah. And when they see the beetle, they like give an extra laugh at it. Yeah. Like this is boomers trying to sell themselves, trying to market their rebellious history back to us. You know? But there's a pointed reason why they did that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And it was very much an anti boomer kind of thing. It makes sense to me. You know, there, I will say, this is one thing that just reminded me is Wayne's world Two. It's not a great movie, but there's really? one. Yeah, I know. But there's one gag in it that made me laugh out loud the first time I saw it is there's a scene where I can't even remember the context, but he's racing to stop his girlfriend from getting married. I think it's very much a graduate parody. Sure. He's driving around in his car and they're playing Mrs. Robinson or whatever, you know, yeah. on the thing. And he goes in the tunnel and the music cuts out while he's in the tunnel. <laughs> then he comes out and the music starts again. <laughs> I laughed. I get that. it. I thought that was pretty good. But I mean, you know, it's, I, I, I see what you mean where the ending you know, it's not as good as the, the setup. The payoff is not as good as the setup, but it's a very interesting movie. I want to go a step beyond that. It's not like we, one of the questions one of the readers asked or listeners I asked right. was, you know, why don't endings work? I'm not complaining about the ending. I'm complaining about the back half. Okay. Well, I mean, I, mean I, I just think the movie, there's a real point. Cause I, I heard like, uh, I heard this story that the, the party scene, where it's a tight shot, the beginning, the, the very beginning, first, the first party, yeah, it's just back. a tight shot on his face, and it's very anxiety-inducing. Um, they actually shot all of it. They they did coverage or whatever, you know. There's back cameras and mm-hmm. angles and cuts, and they just decided the best way to show that in editing was, hey, let's just do this. It's 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 inducing enough. It's anxiety-inducing enough. I mean, you can see where this is a movie that was largely built in the editing. Well, that's my point. So when you hit that point where He's like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to marry Elaine. And they're like, I don't, I think he said, I think this idea is half baked. And he's like, nope, it's fully baked. It's fully baked. And then he gets in his car and drives away. From that point forward, I think they were like, huh, now what? And I could, I could see. It's almost like the movie was them at the end. Now what do we do? Now what do we do? (laughs) And it just becomes that Scarborough song over and over and over again. And it's, it's one long montage, but it's such a, like, it's like a replay of the first montage, but like half as good it's not well, and you know if you think about it what you know about you know what do you, most people know about this movie benjamin they know the line plastics they know mrs robinson you're trying to seduce me the song the yeah. song and they know maybe the very end when they're on the bus yeah that, but there's a huge chunk of it that people don't remember it's like 40 minutes yeah. it's, it's the movie's like an hour and 48 minutes long there's like i mean it's maybe it's maybe 30 minutes but there's a, a while where like <laughs> He's like chasing her around the zoo in Berkeley. That's right. Yeah, I forgot about that. And it's yeah, like, he's oh, on the this? campus and this and it's that. It's like, yeah. I don't care about any. It's it's just not even it good. It does tread its, you know, it treads water for a while. That's oh, a good for point. For a long while. And it's, I just, I don't know. I just felt to me like they they needed, they needed to establish. Look at, listen to me. Like, I know what I'm talking well, about. Like, you watched it. You they needed to establish opinion. Elaine and, and Ben more. Or they needed to just keep up that momentum that, you know. Yeah, they, they have 90 minutes of like. Hey, we enjoy each other's company. We should have gone on a second date. Yeah. And then like, it's, you know, 45 minutes later, we should get married and she's considering it. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And the truth of the matter is Elaine is not as interesting as Mrs. Robinson not by a long shot. No, she, I can't actually, can you think of any qualities? What yeah. is she studying? What is I mean, like, she's attractive young woman. That's it. Who, who got taken to a strip club and cried. Yeah. It's like, it's miserable. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of interesting because he's just such a dick in it. He <laughs> is such a dick. Yeah. And he, he does later kind of clarify. He says, um... Since I graduated, it's like one of the few times where he's able to articulate like what he's feeling. He's like, I just want to yell at everybody or whatever yeah. he says. He's like, I just feel angry. And picture young people going to a movie, seeing a guy say that and it'd be like that. Yeah. I mean, anyone would say that's how I feel. I think that's how some people felt in Fight Club. It's like, you know, because think in Fight Club, it's like Benjamin Braddock. Edward Norton's character 
makes a good living, has a good white collar job, da 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 da. But he just feels there's this pressure on yeah. him that's you can't even define it. And I think every person feels a certain pressure. Like my life is not what I dreamed it would be. Even if you have a happy life and you're yeah. happy in it, you're like, there's I I'm not what I want to be. I had three internships in college and I had an offer for a fourth before I took the register star job where I started working with you where I was kind of like, I don't want to do four internships. I've done my, I've, I've got it, but I, I was set up. I set myself up, right? Where when I graduated, there was no, what are you going to do next? It's like, I know exactly what I'm going to do and I'm going to start right now. And it just, it wasn't pressure. It was like yeah. logic. It was like, well, do you enjoy not paying your student loans? Also, we're not, you know, I mean, ben, we're not privileged. Part of, part yeah. of, yeah, his problem is he's rich. I mean, he's when so I, rich, it yeah. was understood in my family and this is certainly not any knock on my parents, a credit to them, I would say. But when you get out of college, you're going to get a job and you're going to go and you're going to start your life. And it was just understood. I don't think it was even for me. Like I, I, I didn't, I, you know, I was on my own since I've been like 17, 16 years old, but I, I didn't have like somebody else telling me it just, I, it didn't make any sense. Like yeah, what exactly. else? What are and you going to do? Yeah. You got you loans do? and bills and yeah. like, you're trying to meet girls and, and you, you, you have no to, money. Like, this is where I'm going to start. Yeah. You know, like college is great, but you know, now I start my life. And I went to college to get a degree in a thing that I like, Yeah, exactly. you know, and now let's make money off that thing that I like. Like, I don't, I, I don't know. Like maybe it makes me like, maybe I'm the bad guy in fight club. Maybe I'm, I'm the one who's like corporate sellout, but I knew right away. Like, well, that's what you do. But in the end of fight club, not to cover too much on fight club. I think the message is, you're not don't Tyler Durden is not a role model you want to aspire to. Sure. You know, it's, he's he's how you may feel at times, but this is not the way to live your life. It's your I, crazy I just, imaginary friend. And it's probably me. It's it's internalizing stuff, but watching Ben this whole movie, I just was like, "Get off your ass, buddy." Like yeah. I'm glad you got a girlfriend. That's nice. I don't care how old she is. Good for you. But maybe do something. Yeah. Learn something. I mean, at least Peter in office space, he <laughs> got a job. He worked outdoors. You know. <laughs> There's that line where they're like Wait a minute. They fired these guys and you get to keep your job. He's like, I actually got promoted. Yeah. <laughs> and Michael Bolton and, uh, uh, and the other Samir. guy, Samir, are like, uh, not going to work here anymore. Are like, <laughs> just blown away. Yeah. They're just stunned. And Peter's like, yeah, how about that? <laughs> I mean, maybe, uh, maybe office space is a graduate of our time. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Let me say a couple things I just want to point out before we uh, finish this up. Um, to give credit where credit's due, uh, Sam Osteen was the film editor. And uh, cinematography was Robert Surtees. And two of the most impressive things about the movie, I think, are cinematography and editing. So those two definitely deserve kudos. And one thing about that opening when you have him on the, the, uh, the moving sidewalk and it's just a profile shot of him with the camera tracking along him yeah, the as conveyor. the opening song's playing. Um, Quentin, uh, I don't want to say ripped that off, maybe inspired by, but yeah. the opening of Jackie Brown is exactly the same with Pam Greer in profile as uh, the song plays and she's being taken through probably LAX. I mean, it's, it takes place in Los Angeles. So maybe the exact same airport, maybe this takes away from, from the majesty of it. But uh, I, I watched it the first time, like last night. And I thought that opening was great. I watched it recently. In, you know, I watched it earlier this evening, actually just the intro and you could see a cut in the middle of it. And it really took something away from but me. But see, I think I see what you're saying. But I also think something like that, if you blown away the first time, you kind of have to give it credit. I mean, that's, it was, yeah, you know, it was right. made right. that many years ago. They couldn't seamless. I like a movie that has a little bit of rough edges to it. I, I, what am I going to say? No, I, I need perfect polish. I like, no, of course. Of course. <laughs> 
Have okay, we, have that's we it. We covered that's, the graduate. I we've think? covered the graduate. That's what we thought of the graduate. Um, we'd love it if you let us know what you thought of the graduate. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love it if you made fun of Will. You can find him Feel at free. Twitter at, at Will Pfeiffer. At Will Pfeiffer, W I L L P F E I F E R. I'm at Billy Culpa. We have a, a show account at Out of Theaters that will not follow you. We are only following our hero, Jeff Goldblum. Jeff Goldblum, please, let, please follow us back, Jeff, please. A couple other things. You can email us at hello at outoftheaters.com um, or I think both Billy and Will at outoftheaters.com have accounts, but if you email one of us and not the other, that's kind of that's kind of weird. Yeah. We're on Facebook. We're on Facebook, Instagram, mm-hmm. Twitter, the whole deal. And uh, we, we're begging you. Um, it's more important to us that you go to iTunes and leave a review. Right. That matters more. Because we're really excited to be back and we want people to know we're back. And yeah. And the iTunes just... reviews help more people know. Okay, so Will, what are we going to see next week? Well, I think... Because you said you never saw Jaws. We should watch Jaws. <laughs> Steven Spielberg, the movie that made Steven Spielberg, Steven Spielberg. And for a while, until Star Wars, the biggest movie in Hollywood history. What It came out like a year before Star Wars. 75. Right? Okay. Two okay. years before. So, but it was <laughs> huge. It was the kind of movie where it made people afraid to go to the beach or whatever. All I know about Jaws is the scene in Mallrats where he was going to propose when Jaws pops out of the water. Mall rats. Can you you can hear Will's eye roll? You can. Kevin Smith. <laughs> Jesus God. <laughs> okay, so Jaws next week. I make no promises about when these things come out. Yep. Uh, but hopefully in the next week you'll see this uh, rolling out every Monday like always. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, thank you so much, Will. Thank you, Bill. Until next time, we'll miss you all. Most of all. Neighbor, lend me your ears. Cause I just bought.